In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Constantly accomplish in us the Paschal mystery. Those words were prayed just a few moments ago during the collect, during the opening prayer. During this prom season, I'm reminded of uh, my senior year of high school. Uh, I was set up for a blind date for another high school's prom. And the young lady who would have been my date came to my high school to see my band play in the Battle of the Bands. And she saw me on stage and decided to call off the date because I was too short. Um, nevertheless, the second uh, would-be prom date turned out to be great, and um, so all is well. And that wasn't even really my great heartbreak. That would be Valentine's Day 1985. <laughs> now, I tell you this because we have uh, an interloper among us today, one of my uh, college fraternity brothers from Chicago. Um, and even though he's a Northridge graduate, uh, you know, he calls himself Abe Froman, or he sometimes calls himself the mayor of Northwest Chicago. So don't take him too seriously. Anything he says about me is obviously false. <laughs> the other reason why I mentioned Valentine's Day 1985 is because I came home from school and walked up the driveway and I, I just couldn't go through the front door and back, you know, to my usual place. Instead, I just, you know, went to the backyard and, and wandered a bit. And I must have had that look of, of, of the crushing blow because as soon as I came in, mom just wrapped me up in a big hug. She knew what had happened. She, I didn't have to say anything. She didn't have to ask anything. She just simply knew. My heart was enough hers that she could tell. So when we pray, or when I pray on your behalf, or when Jesus prays to the Father for you, that he constantly accomplish in us the Paschal mystery... Something profound is being requested. Something which we probably don't think about here in the sanctuary, even though it's what happens all the time. Two weeks ago, I pointed out how all of the prayers of the Mass are directed to God the Father, save maybe two or three, perhaps four. Right after the Gospel, right after the Consecration, right after the Our Father and before Holy Communion, we do address our Lord Jesus Christ in the second person. Otherwise, he's referred to in the third person throughout the entirety of the Mass because we are praying to God the Father. I remember one very indignant deacon who said at one point about a, a particular um, prayer that somebody offered in church that we can't refer to Christ in the third person. That's totally disrespectful. I, 
I think by now he's realized that actually we usually refer to our Lord and Savior in the third person when we're praying to God the Father. What can dawn on us is the realization that that the love story of the Holy Mass isn't so much a dialogue between Christ and his people, the priest standing in the person of Christ addressing you, his people. It is that, but it's primarily the love story of Christ talking to God the Father, praying to God the Father, loving God the Father, entrusting us to God the Father, begging us to be in him so that we can be in the Father. And even though there are a few ancient churches where there might be a a very small symbol of the fatherhood of God in the apse of the church, perhaps a hand at the very, very top of the ark, the church doesn't present to us a sculpture or an image or a mosaic of God the Father during the divine liturgy because Christ tells us to see his face is to see the Father. And so the holy crucifix before us as a requisite sacred furnishing of a Catholic church then appears to us as not only, or not even primarily, Christ showing himself to us, it's Christ offering himself up to God the Father. The sacrifice of the Mass isn't merely for us to be focused on one static point in time, but it's for us to be drawn into Christ in the Paschal Mystery. One of the old refrains after the consecration perhaps drove it home most clearly. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. That is the Paschal mystery. The passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. For us to be drawn into it, for God the Father to constantly accomplish in us the Paschal mystery means that we die. And look forward to our resurrection. And in fact, through baptism, already begin to experience resurrection. And look forward to the, prompt, to the fulfillment of all of God's promises. As much as it might have been comforting, soothing, inspiring to hear the words of Christ at the Last Supper, to hear Christ speak to you, You'll know if you've been in a holy marriage where you hear your spouse pray for you to God the Father. It's so much more profound to hear, overhear Christ praying to the Father for us. He's not just simply addressing you. He's drawing you into his heart. He's allowing you to hear his thoughts. And as inspiring, as consoling as that realization might be, 
if we've considered what it means to pray to God as our Father instead of just our Creator, we know that if we accept this new and deeper relationship with God, so much more is expected of us. Not just compliance and obedience, but holiness, love, mercy. Allowing God to accomplish the Paschal mystery inside of us as we are all together gathered in prayer helps us to realize that I'm not the only one fighting a battle. But as that Jewish philosopher, contemporary of Christ said in Alexandria, Egypt, be kind for everyone is fighting a great battle. Every one of us is experiencing the Paschal mystery. If we choose to give our lives to Christ, and to forsake the world, all of us are fighting a battle. And it's not one that simply is, is carried because we're all doing it simultaneously. Collectively, it's still a huge individual effort for each and every one of us. But it's God's work being accomplished through us, not just our efforts. And so then we know, as we look at the face of God, Christ revealing the face of God the Father, through the sacred image of a body immolated, that not only are our hopes, our thoughts, and our knowledge capable of union with God, but even our bodies are sacred and are meant to be offered up as a pleasing sacrifice. They're able to be kept pure. And not just simply pure so that they don't do anything, but pure so as to accomplish God's great work. The creation of new life, the service and work and labor that gives sustenance to others and alleviates their sufferings. And so we pray. We pray that we may understand this mystery more deeply. In the same way that the apostles during these weeks after the resurrection would have reflected on all that they had heard and all that they had seen, even though they realize now that as much as they had heard the words and had seen our Lord's deeds, it's only now that they really understand them. Perhaps we find ourselves in the same situation where that which has become so familiar and dear to us, not just familiar and tedious, all of a sudden is revealed to us to be something far more mystical and profound than we had understood before. We pray that as we see him taken up into heaven, that we are renewed in hope and not just lost in despair. That we're constant in joy and willing to publicly praise our Lord, whatever the consequences and even to be grateful when we suffer for the sake of the name. Knowing that at all times this isn't our work, but it is God the Father accomplishing constantly in us the Paschal mystery. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.